This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Chris Tabb and Dan Heaster on Shakespeare in the Park 2019. Chris is the artistic director for Shakespeare in the Park, and uh, Dan is director in residence, and of course, they're both actors, they work on the set designs, etc. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Now, how many Shakespeare in the Park seasons have there been, and how did it get started initially? Well, this is our 14th season. Um, and that equates to, I guess, about 28 productions or so, somewhere around there. The whole thing began when Garrett built the park behind the feed store and built an amphitheater. And being in so close proximity to the theater, I went to Ann Ralph and said, you know, this is a perfect place to do Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, let's take advantage of this and let's get it going. So... 14 years ago, we started with one production of Tempest that featured Steve Miller, who's returned to the fold and is playing Claudius in Hamlet this year. He's the evil uncle. Yes. That's right. Um, So, and then from there, we actually made a festival out of it by doing two shows in repertoire, beginning in the third week of June and through the July 4th weekend. So it's been going as long as I've been here, and it's always a great time. Now, Dan... How did you get involved with the Westcliff Center for the Performing Arts? You're based in Denver. I'm based in Denver. I ran a theater company for many years called City Stage Ensemble. We were kind of the cutting-edge, avant-garde theater company down there, and Chris worked with us for uh, quite a number of years, and so when he moved up here, you know, we were friends and collaborators and colleagues, and he gave me a call and said, we're doing the Tempest up here outside, and I had done a theater in the park festival in Denver at Mm -hmm. the Greek Amphitheater down there. Civic Center Park. Capital Civic Center, so I had some... Decent experience with outdoor venues and what the issues are with those. And so he invited me up here, and it's just been great ever since. I'm, I missed one year because I did a, I created a one-man show, a 13 out of 14. Yeah, right. That's very cool. Uh, so you were coming from Denver to small-town Colorado. What, what were your expectations for the, the local uh, actors? I didn't come with a lot of expectations. I just came to see what was here. Mm -hmm. We had a pretty good core, and we've had a good core from the beginning. So uh, what happens up here is really interesting because it's a mix of absolutely new people, people who have never done theater of Shakespeare, all the way to, you know, I've been in theater all mm-hmm. of my life. Chris is uh, very experienced in theater. We've got an ensemble of people who come back, and then we always bring in interns who are in training in theater. And so we have a really interesting mix of experience in people, and that's both an opportunity and a challenge. It's a challenge mm-hmm. to make everybody be on the same page and seem like they're in the same show. But it's, it's an absolutely wonderful challenge. And, you know, we've also had people who have developed and been part of the ensemble for years, a lot of young people, um, his daughter, Holly. Michael Batson, who's been doing Shakespeare with us since he was 10. Right. So this year, it's the tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, uh, better known as Hamlet. And uh, how does Hamlet fit into Shakespeare's body of work, both chronologically and as far as critical acclaim? It's relatively 
early to middle of his writing. It is probably the most highly studied, highly acclaimed, most, you know, loved by academics and people alike because it's, it's, a, it's a great play. It's a complicated and complex play. It's unique in his work because of the soliloquies and monologues. He wrote so that we get to the, in the inside of Hamlet's mind. And always before, he had done it by combination of people, by mm-hmm. speeches and dialogue. But here, we actually regularly sort of stop and actually hear Hamlet talking to himself. And mm-hmm. actually, I was just talking to Chris last night that he is, he is a man who is completely honest with himself. And so it's, it, that's a beginning of an invitation to the audience. It's a place to start identifying. But he's in this horribly complex situation in which he has to put on a whole level of masks. He has adversaries and friends and false friends and a complicated relationship with his mother and has a close friend from Wittenberg where he is a teacher and a whole range of people. And, of course, we also have an ensemble this year, so he's in the court, and so it's he's a very complex character, but expresses himself really directly. Mm-hmm. So we see that whole level of human nature from right. when I'm with myself, how honest am I with myself, and I think it's a question that Hamlet forces the audience to ask themselves, which is... When I'm alone, how honest am I with myself? You know, Hamlet, Hamlet gets down on himself pretty hard a number of times, and you know, or he's in action. It's a, and so in terms, I of, mean, it's a critical role. And Chris, you're playing Hamlet, playing the title role. How many lines do you have? <laughs> we joke. I did, I never count them because what's the point? And and you have be, to learn all of them too anyway. Scary. But yeah. we joke yeah. and say there's four thousand lines to learn, right. um, which is probably not that far off. Because, you know, the play is called Hamlet, so you would expect that there would be quite a few lines to, to have to learn. But So for, for the neophytes in, in Radioland, how do you go about learning that many lines? I mean, what's the strategy? Well, there's, there's a number of ways, but I will tell you that I started a long time ago. So time is on your side. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've known since last season that we were going to do this the next season. In earnest, I started learning the speeches first. Mm-hmm pretty heavily back in January. And that entails uh, using a little bit of modern technology of recording them on my phone and listening them to my earbuds. Rehearsals commence, you start filling in all the, all the dialogue, you know, all the scenes with all the other actors. And it, it's definitely a challenge. And, you know, I'll, would... I'll be there by the time we open. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, Hamlet is a very long play, so it's been abridged for... For this, how does how does that work? Are there abridged editions? You just put, pick it off the shelf, or is that a no, decision no, I, that I, you, I, you I make? I do it every year. Okay, I do it every and, and year. How, and so how, has how do you decide what to leave in, what to take out? Through a lot of late nights staring at the screen and going back and forth, you know, it's a it's a whole 
enterprise and uh, you know artistic endeavor on its own adapting these plays and hopefully over the years I've gotten fairly good at it Hamlet was the most difficult that I've done because as written it's probably about four hours long and we need to for our audience and for our weather and for all of that it needs to be around two two and a quarter uh, right now we're running about two and a half, but it'll probably tighten up to two and a quarter. So right, right. we try and get people out before they freeze to death. Um, <laughs> but it's it's an interesting process because since I'm the director as well, it gives me a chance to initially put my interpretation, my understanding mm-hmm. into the things that I choose. And so, right. you know, you've got to keep the story flowing and not. Right. Miss the the key points. And not all of Shakespeare's plays are this long. Hamlet happens to be one where he really wanted to say everything he wanted to say plus some. Mm -hmm. So he can really get his point across in five lines... But his the actual speech may go on for fifteen. Yeah. Right. right, and and that's that's part of the the magic of the whole thing. I, I suspect. Yeah. So it it's been said that in Western literature, the most referenced book is the Bible. Second is Shakespeare. Third are the works of Lewis Carroll. Why Shakespeare after five hundred years? Why still so popular? Because he. He lived at a time where all of the cross currents of the society were available to him. So he knew the queen, but he also knew street people and he knew actors. He just happened to be... And he grew up studying Latin and, right. you know, as a Catholic in England. So that early education led him to understand a classical education from the stories of the Greeks. From the, the earliest days of theater, he would have been familiar with many of the stories that he based his plays on. So what happens, though, in, in particular, why we still love to see Shakespeare is because he, better than any other playwright, he understood what a character, given being propelled into a certain set of circumstances, how would he react psychologically and put the words into those characters' mouths better than any playwright has ever done. Mm -hmm. So it resonates with us, even if the words seem a little bit out of order, they're still all English. (laughs) And, you know, the way we approach it, it's very accessible. So even if you hated having to study Hamlet in high school, you come see our production, you see it the way it's supposed to be seen and heard and observed and understood in action on stage, you're going to get every bit of it. Right. It, it, there's there's something about reading it that's quite difficult. It's hard to keep the characters right. Sure, apart. Right. But on stage, uh, oh, it's the guy in the red hat, and and, right. and he's he's this. this oh, person. that guy's the funny one. It, well, and 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 part of what we do is we try and tell the audience in subtle ways. Hey, folks, you don't need to remember everything. There's no quiz at the end, right? Because they've had to study Shakespeare. They come with a certain trepidation of. Oh my God! There's going to be a quiz at the end of the show. Right, right. And so we try and tell them in a lot of different ways. Put yourselves in our hands because we're going to tell you the story. We're going to help you know the information that you need to know, and you're going to be able to follow the story with that information. And some of the other stuff, some of the you know triple, quadruple 
other earls and knights and messengers and so on, you don't need to remember everything about them. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you remember what's going. And that's part of the adaptation. Is partly in direction. is partly in the acting. It's a whole collaborative process that says, here, this is what to pay attention to. This mm-hmm. is what to right. focus on and relax. We're going to take care of it. And it's a lot like listening to Mozart. We might increase your IQ by the time you're done. <laughs> I, I remember being in London at the recreated Globe Theater right. that I'm sure you've been at. And they said, ah, we can't do quite our regular tour because they're opening King Lear tonight. And they're on stage working on it. And that was fascinating because they yeah. just come off the road. And so they had to... They were worried about uh, blocking about the, and about the, the staging and those, those you know yeah. the size of the well, which size is the, and the, the steps exact and same the, things that we deal with by rehearsing in a studio space and then moving it outside mm-hmm. to a completely different configuration. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about uh, f- uh, some of the actors or the parts in Hamlet. How many how many folks are in the production? Would you guess? Uh, right now we have twenty two actors many of which are playing multiple roles. So it's a fairly sizable show. In terms of the actual lead characters, titled characters, there's about 10. Okay. So then everybody else fills in playing messengers and pirates and, you know, and, and so on. So. <laughs> right. Which are important. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, and, and part of what we're pretty proud of over the course of the festival is that we give everybody plenty to do. You know, we create an ensemble that aren't just spear chuckers and spear carriers, but they actually have something to play. So they're involved in the ensemble that they feel uh, a buy-in to what we're saying to the audience. Exactly. And as we were saying uh, before we started the interview, it's a great opportunity for someone who's never performed before. You you can put them into the into a play, give them something they can handle, and yet they get to experience... The whole process right. of going from, right. from start, the beginning to end, start, and seeing, to, start you know, to finish. So you know, the finished product is often you know, underappreciated for the amount of time and, and work that actually goes in to coordinate twenty-two people on stage. You know, we start rehearsals somewhere around six to eight weeks before we put on the show. Sometimes that's a little more compressed, given. The, the the parameters of getting our interns here out of college and, and people's schedules know. and work schedules oh. and life schedules and I can, it, I can only becomes, imagine it that it becomes pretty complicated. You know, <laughs> right. Modern theater is a and, right. and modern art in general, as you know, being a right. musician, is a lot about schedule these days. That's so, that's, that's right. You know, coordinating schedules and getting everybody in the same room at the same time. Hey, we're running short of time. How about uh, coming back next week and uh, telling us a little bit about Oscar Wilde and the other play and a few more things? Would that work? Our pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. We've been visiting with Chris Tabb, Artistic Director, and Dan Heaster, Director and Resident of the Shakespeare in the Park 2019. And we'll see you next week uh, with Part 2. My name's Gary. Great. Thank you, We'll see you next time on uh, Valley Views. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. 
walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 